there! This is the World Pride Pod Stage, a place where we invite some of the best podcasts in the world to do a special episode for World Pride 2021 in Copenhagen and Malmo. Today we're going to be listening to the podcast based on a true story, a podcast where the host, Dan Lefebvre, compares the films and TV shows that claim to be based on true events to the actual historical events themselves. As a sidekicks, guest historians lend out their expertise for his comparative reviews. In today's episode, he thoroughly dissects the Academy Award-winning film The Danish Girl. The film tells the story of Lili Elb, who was one of the first people in the world to be the recipient of SRS, which stands for Sex Reassignment Surgery. A true story, as incredible and drama-infused as the event itself, but, as we'll hear, maybe not so accurate in the actual representation of true events. This is a fantastic podcast to tickle the interest of both film and history buffs. Four years after, author David Ebershoff released his first novel in 2000, titled The Danish Girl. Screenwriter Lucinda Coxon started working on adapting the novel into a movie. As is often the case in Hollywood, whether or not The Danish Girl would be seen on the big screen was far from a sure thing. It went through more than its fair share of changes. It started when Swedish director Thomas Alfredson, who was just coming off production on his popular vampire movie, Let the Right One In, said in 2009 he was going to work on The Danish Girl before his next project, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. But that fell through. Then another Swedish director, Lace Hallström, announced in 2010 that he was going to take over The Danish Girl. Production moved forward, and Charlize Theron was cast for the role of Gerda Wegner. Then, Charlize left and was replaced by Gwyneth Paltrow. Then, Gwyneth left, and although they never officially announced it, for some reason everyone was under the assumption that Uma Thurman would take her place. Then, that rumor changed as Marianne Cotillard, who was just coming off 2010's Inception at the time, was thought to have the role of Gerda. Then, Marion was out and reports surfaced that Rachel Weisz would play Gerda in the film. Soon after that, everything changed when both Rachel Weisz and director Lace Hallstrom left the project. Finally, things started to come together in 2014 when Tom Hooper, who had just finished 2012's reinterpretation of Les Miserables, was announced as the new director. Alongside this announcement came the news that Eddie Redmayne would play the lead role of Einar Wagner and Lily Elb. A couple months later, Gerda's role was finalized when Alicia Vikander took the part. Finally, the screenplay that began in 2004 saw the film get released in January of 2016. The Danish Girl hit theaters to underwhelming numbers. The movie only cost $15 million to make, but on opening weekend, it was only shown at a total of four theaters and made less than $200,000. After months in theaters, the movie didn't even make back its original $15 million. Despite low numbers at the box office, the film was nominated for four Academy Awards, including Best Actor and Best Actress for Eddie Redmayne and Alicia Vikander, respectively. 
Alicia would come away with her first Oscar thanks to her terrific performance in the film. One of the contributing factors to the film's low box office numbers came from numerous criticisms of historical inaccuracies. So how does the movie stack up to the true story? I'm Dan Lefebvre, and this is Based on a True Story. The movie begins at an art exhibition for Einar Wegner, who, at the time, is one of the top landscape painters in Denmark. This is in contrast to Einar's wife, Gerda, who we learn early on in the movie paints portraits. The movie picks up in 1926 when Lily, then still known as Einar, was in her 40s and a successful artist. This backdrop for the story is true. While the movie doesn't show much of her younger years, Lily was born as Einar Wegner on December 28, 1882, on the eastern coast of Denmark in the city of Vala. Einar's love of art started as a teenager when she traveled from her hometown the 140 miles to Copenhagen, where she studied art at the Royal Danish Academy of Fine Arts. In fact, that's where she met Gerda Gottlieb, another aspiring artist. The two loved painting together and soon fell in love with each other. Although the movie claims that the couple was only married for six years, that's not true. The couple was actually married in 1904 when Einar was 22 and Gerda was only 19. Since the movie starts in 1926, they'd already been married for 22 years by the time the movie starts. Gerda had moved to Copenhagen herself from the small Danish town of Hamelev, about 125 miles from Copenhagen, but only 90 miles north of Einar's hometown of Vela. Although many at the time considered Einar to be the better of the two artists, Gerda's work began to get noticed as well, and shortly after their marriage, she began showing her own work in galleries. We don't really know if the influence from Einar's popularity helped Gerda launching her career, but she did win her own contest, a sketching contest, in the Danish newspaper Politiken in 1907. And it was because of this contest that hurtled Gerda into a career of illustrating for fashion magazines. Before long, Gerda found her niche and became well-known in the fashion industry for her Art Deco-style paintings in books and magazines such as La Vie Parisienne and Vogue. Her work featured a variety of beautiful women dressed in fashion-forward clothing. In the movie, there's a scene where Gerda, who's played by Alicia Vikander, is working on a portrait but her model, an actress by the name of Ulla Paulson, who's played by Amber Heard in the film, is nowhere to be found. Gerda asks Einar, who's played by Eddie Redmayne, to dress up in stockings and shoes so she can finish part of the drawing. According to Gerda, Ulla canceled because she has an extra rehearsal, but she insists Einar dress up since she's so behind and she tries to finish the painting. Finally, Einar capitulates and puts them on. Then another pivotal moment in the movie is a few minutes later when Ulla shows up and hands her the flowers that she's carrying, a lily, and suggests that that be her name. 
much of this is actually true, although there are some significant differences between the movie and the true story here. While it's true that the first time Einar dressed up as a woman was by chance, the character Ulla Paulsen in the movie isn't a real person, and was actually based on a person named Anna Larsen, who was an actress who modeled for Goethe's paintings. But the truth is, we don't really know why Anna couldn't make the session. All we know is that she couldn't and Arnar dressed up instead. So while the first time did happen by chance, the biggest difference between the movie and the true story really is the timing or the timeline. In the movie, this took place in 1926. Well, in reality, Goethe started her career painting fashion shortly after winning the newspaper contest in 1907. So most historians believe that the first time Einar dressed up was about a year later in 1908, and not the 20 years later as the film seems to imply. And yes, it was Anna who suggested the name Lily. The movie tells the story of the first public appearance for Lily, an artist ball hosted by Ulla. But Einar doesn't want to attend for fear that people will make a big deal out of her attending, she was, after all, considered one of the best landscape artists in Denmark. Remembering just a few days before when she dressed up for her painting, Goethe suggests that she go in disguise as Lily. While at the party, Lily kisses Henrik, who's played by Ben Wishaw, something that Goethe walks in on. And here, according to the movie, is a pivotal moment where Einar starts to realize she's a woman trapped in a man's body. It was Lily who wanted to kiss Henrik, not Einar. Goethe says that they were just playing a game and Einar needs to stop. While there's no documentation to back up any of this at the party, it's not really likely to have been an actual event. The character of Henrik never existed in real life, is one that was made up by the author of the novel that the movie is based on. In fact, the book's author, David Ebershoff, as you remember, readily admits that while his book, also called The Danish Girl, was inspired by Lily's life, it doesn't try to tell a true story, it only tries to tell a good story. And there's a lot more that's been fictionalized for the film, like the scene where Goethe meets with an art collector who suggests they move to France for her career. That's not what happened. So what actually happened? After Lily made her first appearance, by chance, Goethe continued to use Lily as the model of her paintings. While the party in the movie was fictionalized, it is based on the fact that Goethe would attend artist balls and events together. Although Lily was not introduced as Einar's cousin like she was in the movie, but rather as Einar's sister. And while Henrik was not a real character, Lily did flirt with men at those events, so it's likely that the author just combined all of these different events into a single one to get the gist across. Although none of them continued on as a relationship like they did with Henrik in the movie. While we don't really know what Goethe's initial reactions to Lily were, she was the one who encouraged Lily. It's impossible for us to know what her reasons were for this encouragement. Most of this was, in, was actually fictionalized for the film, but there's a few reasons that historians have speculated. The first of these is that Goethe was a lesbian, but there's never been any proof of this, and actually, after Goethe and Einar were separated, Goethe would go on to marry another man later in life. Another possible motivation for Goethe's encouragement of Einar's transition into Lily could have been for her own career. The art community loved the subject of Goethe's paintings, and, by extension, Goethe's career started to rise, as it did 
Lily spent more and more time being a model for Goethe's paintings. As a result, Einar's career as an artist started to wane as she spent less time painting. But all of that would change. Now there's another major timeline issue in the movie here as it shows the couple moving to Paris toward the end of the film. In truth, once the news broke that the model for Goethe's popular paintings of women in high fashion were, in fact, paintings of her husband, it was a scandal that proved to be too much for Copenhagen. But the most likely reason for Goethe's encouragement of Lily is because of her apparent belief that she created Lily. In Lily's autobiography, Man into Woman, she quotes Goethe, quote, In recent months I have felt prickings of conscience because I was, to a certain extent, the cause of creating Lily, of enticing her out of you, and thus becoming responsible for a disharmony in you which reveals itself most distinctly on those days when Lily does not appear." End quote. Regardless, after the scandal in Copenhagen, the couple felt pressure to leave. The movie makes it seem like they went straight to Paris, but in truth, the couple traveled around Europe as they tried to find a place more open-minded, visiting Italy and France before finally settling down in Paris. This happened in 1912, before the timeline of the movie even began. In Paris, they could live openly as lesbians without fear. After moving to Paris, Goethe started to relish the popularity as her fame blossomed. She continued painting for high fashion magazines and started painting nude women, usually in very sexual or risque poses. Her work became popular in some very controversial exhibitions, even in the open-minded Paris. There were even a few small riots thanks to the openly lesbian themes in her paintings. But Goethe loved the controversy. It only garnered her more fame. She began throwing crazy parties at her studio in Paris. And through it all, Goethe seemed to be thoroughly supportive of Lily. If anything, she was the only one who supported Lily through everything. Now, the movie's ending is very different than the true story. In the movie, Einar meets with a professor Varnacross who informs her that he can perform a gender reassignment surgery. It is highly dangerous and consists of multiple surgeries. When asked for a last name, Lily gives the name Elbe, like the river. This is followed by a scene after the surgery when Lily is walking through a park in France and two men beat her up. After this, Lily wants to finish the gender reassignment right away, even though Gerda feels it's too soon. It's after this surgery when things start to go downhill, implying that Lily had the second surgery too soon. And then the movie ends on a very sad note as Lily passes away, devastating Gerda. Perhaps the only common thread between this and what actually happened is the innate sadness that ripples through both stories. To begin, Lily's name was officially Lily Isle Elvinus. The surname of Elbe was actually made up by a journalist in Copenhagen. By the time 1930 rolled around, we know from Lily's autobiography that she was tormented, no doubt ravished by mockery and ridicule at the time. She had decided that she would kill herself. We don't really know why, but she set the date of her suicide as May 1st, 1930. However, Lily changed her mind when she found out about a doctor in Berlin who could perform a gender reassignment surgery. 
So she went to Berlin in February of 1930, and with the hope that Lily could fully become the woman she was, she decided to undergo the surgeries instead of committing suicide. In the movie, there's two surgeries, but in truth, there were four surgeries. While the movie depicts all of the surgeries being done by Professor Varnacross, in truth, there's conflicting reports about this. Some indicate that only the first was performed by Dr. Varnacross, like in the movie, with the rest of the surgeries being done by a Dr. Magnus Hirschfeld. Others indicate it was Dr. Hirschfeld who did the first, with Varnacross doing the rest. Still, other reports indicate that it was a Dr. Erwin Gorbent, or maybe it was Dr. Ludwig Levy Lentz who performed the initial surgeries with Varnacross, who was a member of the Nazi party, taking over for the latter surgeries after the Nazis began to rise in Germany. Another aspect that wasn't covered in the movie was the possibility that Lily may have been intersex. She may have already had ovaries before any of her surgeries. This came up in some of the reports from Dr. Hirschfeld's German Institute for Sexual Science in Berlin, which was the location for all of the surgeries. In the end, we don't really know who performed the surgeries. Most of this fog around Lily's medical history is because the German Institute for Sexual Science had their records burned by Nazi students as a protest to the Institute in 1933. Then, during World War II in 1945, Allied bombings would destroy most of the building. Unfortunately, this means we'll probably never know the full truth. The movie doesn't mention this, but Lily and Goethe were divorced on October 6, 1930. This happened after the first of Lily's surgeries, and as she started to reject her former life as Einar. Lily wasn't a painter as Einar was. She applied for and was granted a passport with her new name. It was her first official documentation as Lily. She would go on to date a man named Claude Lejeune, someone that she hoped to marry and start a family with, but to do this, she would have to be able to bear children. So, in September of 1931, Lily underwent another surgery, this time to transplant a uterus. In one of her last letters to her sister, she wrote, quote, Now I know that death is near. Last night I dreamt about mother. She took me in her arms and called me Lily, and father was there also, end quote. Lily Al Elvinus died on September 13, 1931, after her body rejected the uterus. Unfortunately, the medical technology of the time simply could not successfully perform such a highly experimental surgery. While her death was cloaked in sadness, her life was one that shone as a testament as someone who lived life to its fullest extent despite what others may think. A few months before she passed away, Lily wrote a letter to one of her friends that reflected on her life. That I, Lily, am vital and have a right to life I have proved by living for 14 months. It may be said that 14 months are not much, but they seem to me like a whole and happy human life. This episode of Based on a True Story was written and produced by me, Dan LeFebvre. 
The movie may not have been entirely accurate. In fact, most of it was made up for the book and film as they condensed the duration of Lily's life into the few final years. Sadly, we don't know the entirety of the true story thanks to the lost records over the years. Still, the Danish girl did a great job of bringing Lily's life to the forefront of our minds, remembering someone who simply wanted to live a happy life. After Lily's death, one of her friends, Niles Hoyer, collected her diaries and turned them into what we now know as Lily's autobiography, called Man into Woman, an authentic record of a change of sex. It was published in 1933, and I would highly recommend this to anyone who wants to learn more about Lily's life. Thanks for listening to Based on a True Story. You can find the show's home on the web, basedonatruestorypodcast.com, or if you have thoughts on the show, join in the discussion on Facebook, and also at Based on a True Story Podcast. If you want to show your support for the show, you can do that by leaving a rating and review on iTunes, or you can become a patron of the show to get behind-the-scenes access over at patreon.com slash basedonatruestorypodcast. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode of Based on a True Story. If you liked it, please go check out the episode where Don Lefebvre discusses the film Stonewall with his guest Eric Marcus. He's the host of the fantastic podcast Making Gay History. The World Pride Pod Stage is produced by Bonnier News Brand Studio. I am the podcast host, Yael Poole, and production and editing is done by Pelle Esbon. Check us out on www.worldpridepodstage.com. Make sure to subscribe to the feed wherever you listen to podcasts and spread the word to your friends, family, and loved ones.